Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Merry Christmas. We see that we have the full circle of the Advent wreath lit today. Um, as we are on the eve of the Nativity of our Lord, we have so many great celebrations set before us as we uh, anticipate the birth of our dear and blessed Savior, Jesus. And as we do so, we had two very interesting readings set aside for the morning of Christmas Eve, as we had two opposing reactions to God and his word. And the first one we have is from somebody who's not a very Christmassy person. It's Ahaz, the wicked king of Judah. And Ahaz ascended to the throne of Judah, and as he did so, there was a lot of trouble brewing in the world for him. The kings of Syria and the apostate kingdom of Israel had joined together in an alliance to destroy the kingdom of Judah. Of course, this puts Ahab in a terrible position, two kingdoms gaining up against one. Syria had been chipping away at Israel's territory now, even during the time of Ahaz's father. And now with Israel joining in, things looked bad, as his enemies had him surrounded and hemmed in, and he had to fight them off. But in the midst of this, God sees the plight and the need of his people. And so he sends his prophet Isaiah to go and speak to Ahaz. He is sent to assure him that God will help Judah. He will preserve his people. He will care for them. He will defend them against the enemies so that Jerusalem would not be beaten and Judah would not fall. And so that Ahaz could be assured of this comfort in this God that who said he, was, said he was going to help him, God said, I will give you a sign, any sign, be it to the depths of Sheol as high as the heavens, I will give you a sign to assure you that I am your helper. Any sign that Ahaz asked for, the Lord would do, so that Ahaz would be strengthened and convicted in faith and stand in that faith as God fought for him and his kingdom. What we read today is very perplexing. As God extends this gracious hand, Ahaz refuses the sign. He refused this gift of assurance and faith. He attempted to sound pious in his denial, saying, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. I'm not going to do that. And that sort of sounds good. He would not put the Lord to the test. That's something that Jesus says when he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy 6. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Manasseh, or Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and statutes, which he commanded you. Not putting the Lord God to the test, that's pious language. But we see here that God was causing, calling Israel to faithfulness to trust in God, to obey his commandments. Yet Ahaz, and denying the sign from the Lord, is doing the exact opposite. He's acting faithlessly. As the Lord offered him a sign for his assurance and for his comfort, Ahaz refuses it. God was acting with grace and compassion, showing his great love for his people, and Ahaz didn't want that assurance from God. 
You see the struggle there. This is foolishness. Ahaz was refusing God when God offered mercy. Ahaz was refusing God when God was offering the seal and the promise of his covenant and work for his people. God was willing to give assurance. God was willing to give Ahaz whatever he asked for. God was making himself into a servant of this poor, miserable sinner of a king. And Ahaz turned his nose up to God. Ahaz, who was desperate... Ahaz, who was cornered and backed up against the wall by his enemies, Ahaz knows no greater ally than God to help him. And he turns God down. He would not receive a sign from the Lord. Isn't that shocking? Isn't that weird? But maybe what's more shocking and what's more weird is how often people do this today. As God offers comfort to the afflicted, Yet so often people want to deny that comfort. I remember once conducting a funeral, and I spoke about how Jesus is so gracious in delivering us from our sins. I spoke about how destructive and painful sin in this life is, and about how Jesus brings us everlasting forgiveness in life. I talked about how he restores and gives life and salvation to poor sinners so that they might live forever with him in his kingdom, how he opens up heaven to us who don't deserve it because he acts in grace and love. I spoke about how all of this flows from God's great love to us. That is the gospel that every Christian should love to hear. This is the gospel that every minister is called to preach. And yet after the service, a woman came up to me and she asked kind of condescendingly, how long have you been doing this? And I said, long enough, with a smile on my face. And then she said something that almost made me laugh. I think you need some constructive criticism. You said the word sin almost nine times in that sermon, and you said the word love only four times. We all know about sin. We need more love. What a ridiculous complaint, right? The love of God is shown by delivering us from sin. Yes, you got it. Sin is what's bad. Sin is what kills. And Jesus gives life to sinners. God wants to assure us in that continual knowledge and continual promise that he has sent his son into the world to forgive sinners. But like Ahaz, this woman and many others find that comfort uncompelling. They don't want to be comforted in this gospel because she wanted to deny her true problem. She wanted to know that God loves her. That's well and good. But she did not want to recognize what true love is because she was addicted to her own notions of love that had nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins and the God who comes to forgive sinners. And so it is with everyone who takes this gospel lightly. God promises a sign, and the world often says, no thanks. And this is a sad reality for fallen mankind. We know there are problems in the world. We know that we have problems. We acknowledge that we are frail and mortal sinners. We see the enemies at the gate who would destroy us. And then we want to scoff at the one who saves we seek comfort in all the wrong places. 
And this is true of every person who has ever lived, as we strive and reach for comfort and help from places that don't really offer true comfort and help. But God has extended himself to us. He has given us the ultimate assurance of his love and forgiveness. He has sealed the promises of eternal life in the blood of his Son. And if people find that gift uncompelling, they're like Ahaz. They hear the word, they don't believe it. God assures us of his love, and we choose not to receive it for our comfort. God comes down from heaven, and men choose to reject him. Every Sunday, the gospel is preached. The Lord's Supper is given to the faithful. The gift of baptism is reinforced by the preaching of the word. These are the signs that God puts in our lives today for his love. He sends Christian ministers to preach the word. He provides Bibles that we can read in our own language, thanks be to God. He gives us congregations that we can gather with to assure us together as we hear with one, one ear and proclaim with one voice, Jesus Christ is Lord, risen from the dead. Yet, even as we have this sign from God, only a small handful come to receive these gifts, a remnant. If everyone who should be here actually was here, there would not be enough room in this sanctuary. We'd be elbow to elbow, standing in the aisles and in the corners, trying to fight for space so that we could hear. Yet we see that often things often take priority over the comfort and the gift of God's grace, the signs that he provides to assure us of who Jesus is and what he does. Even today on Christmas Eve, as we gather this Sunday morning, people look elsewhere for comfort and help. Gift wrapping, cookie making, family meals, and all the things like them, and none of these things are bad especially the cookies. But none of them are Jesus. Yet God, even when he is denied by Ahaz, still gives the sign. Ahaz denied a sign from God, but the Lord does not stop persisting in giving assurance and comfort to his people. He says, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Ahaz could have asked for anything. He could have, like Joshua, asked for the sun to stop in the sky at midday. He could have, like Gideon, tested the Lord with a fleece remaining dry in the morning dew. He could have asked for any sign, and God would have done it for him. He said no. And so God, even when he is refused, never stops acting according to his merciful and loving character. And so he promises the sign of Emmanuel. A virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and he shall be named God with us. This is the sign that God would give to prove his great and perfect love for his people. This is the assurance God would give for the salvation of his people. And it was the sign that Ahaz rejected. And it's also the sign that many of Ahaz's descendants would reject as well, as we read in John 1. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They did not receive Emmanuel. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, 
He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is what God promises to do. He promises that the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and that son will be God. And he is that long-promised and long-awaited Messiah. He will be the Savior of the world. He will be the seed of Abraham. He will be the offspring of a woman who would crush the serpent's head. He is the long-promised Savior that Israel would be waiting for. He is the one who would come to recreate us and give us new birth of water in the Spirit under the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we might be saved from a creation that is bound to decay so that we might have eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. The sign of Emmanuel is the perfect assurance of God's love for sinners. Ahab rejected God. He rejected any comfort God would give. And so do many people. Yet it is for these sinners that Jesus would come into the world. Jesus, come, says, and says, Jesus comes and says, I have come to seek and save that which is lost. St. Paul says, but God shows his love for us that and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God does not abandon those who reject them, reject him to faithlessness. He persists. He comes to show mercy. He forgives those who would be hardened against him by coming into the earth to die for sinners. And in this, in this work of God being made flesh, of God being born in the manger, of God coming into this fallen creation, he softens hard hearts so that they can believe in him and be saved. Ahaz did not receive this promise of faith. Many will not. Yet we see that God is not denied because we see our second lesson, our gospel lesson, where we see God's servant Joseph. And he, like Ahaz, found himself in a very different, but an equally difficult situation. He was engaged to be married, and the woman whom he was engaged to comes up pregnant. And this is a scandal for Joseph. No matter what happens, it's a scandal. He knew that he was not the father of the child that Mary was carrying. He had not known her in the biblical sense. He also knew that adultery was a serious offense in those days, and given what Joseph did know, he knew Mary must have cheated on him. And the consequences of adultery were steep. As we read in John 8 about the woman caught in adultery, Mary could be stoned for this offense. Joseph did not want Mary to be killed. Joseph did not want Mary to suffer for this thing. And so he showed her love in this way. He, he also knew that he could not marry her and raise some other man's child, and so he sought to divorce her quietly. He was trying to do a just thing, to cover Mary's offense. He was trying to both find a way to save Mary from shame and possible death and to prevent himself from having to marry a woman who had been allegedly unfaithful to him. But of course, we know Joseph didn't know the full story. He did not know of the angel Gabriel's visit to Mary. He did not know what the Lord had told her. As the angel came to Mary and said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and over his kingdom there will be no end. 
And Mary responds, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Joseph did not hear this conversation. He was not present when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. But Mary received this message of the angel in faith. She heard what the angel had said and responded, Behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Can you imagine that? This impossible thing, a virgin having a baby. That was something that Mary believed. She trusted in this word from God. She had heard the angelic promise. She believed in what God had told her. And this sign, this promise was great. A savior from sin was coming into the world. He would be king forever. He would be the son of God. What an unbelievable promise. Ahaz did not want a sign that assured him of military success against Israel and Syria. And so God gave him a sign that would assure him of the salvation for sinners that would come into the world. A virgin would conceive and bear a son. And Joseph, however, was out of the loop. He had not had that angelic visitation. He only knew what he had heard and seen. Quietly divorcing Mary seemed like the only bad option for him. But God did not leave him in the dark. He sent his word to Joseph in a dream. And as we read in our gospel lesson, God says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now Joseph could have hardened his heart to this message. He could have still separated from Mary. His public reputation would have certainly remained intact. But he didn't. He heard the word of the Lord, and he believed it. This seemingly unbelievable miracle was something Joseph could and would believe in. The conception and birth of Jesus are miraculous. Virgins don't conceive and give birth. If a pregnant woman were to walk into a hospital today feeling labor pains, and the doctor was to ask her, well, who is the father? And she would answer, I'm a virgin she would be giving birth in a psych ward. This is an impossible occurrence according to the natural order of things, yet this is not a common and natural event. This is the most common and most important event that would ever take place. It is the miracle of Christ's birth and conception in the flesh, as God would become man, as God would be incarnate, taking on flesh, taking on carne, this was not a foreign and unbelievable thing to Mary or Joseph either. This was the first promise God had made. He said to the serpent who tempted Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The promise was emphasized and repeated over and over again. It was even proclaimed in our Old Testament lesson to the wicked king Ahaz. And Joseph knew the promise. And when God told Joseph that it was being carried out in Mary, Joseph believed. He received this word of God in faith. He married Mary. 
He joined himself to her in the same union that Adam had joined with Eve. He made Mary his rib, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, so that they were one flesh together before God, never to be separated. She gave birth to her son, and he named him Jesus. That's the name God commanded Joseph to give, because Jesus means the Lord saves. Joseph believed this child, born of Mary, would be the Savior of the world. That this child, though also a child, is truly and fully his God. As we read in John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He takes on this flesh, and Joseph rejoices. He receives the sign of Emmanuel. As we read in Hebrews, the takes on this flesh for purpose. It's to take away the sins of the world. It's to die for sinners. As we read in Hebrews, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through fear of death who are subject to lifelong slavery. He's born to die so that we might have life in his name. He's born to die to free us from the power of the devil. He's born to die to free us from bondage to decay and death. The Son of God becomes man. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful gift from God. And through the birth of his Son, he binds himself to those things that we suffer so that we might be freed from them. And so Jesus is born for the purpose of dying. Jesus is born in the purpose of being a true and faithful man. He takes on flesh so that he can suffer and be tempted as we are without sin. Jesus takes on flesh to experience our hunger, our thirst, our sadness, our pain, our sickness, our want, and our loss. Jesus takes on flesh to do what we cannot. He does not sin. And yet he becomes our sin-bearer. And as he, his sinless body is given a sinner's death, our sinful bodies are made holy. And we are freed from sin and death. As he binds himself to a body so that we are unbound from our sins. This is the sign of Emmanuel. The sign that Ahaz did not want is the sign that gives us perfect and, uh, perfect and pure assurance from God. It is the sign that caused Mary to submit to the Lord's will. It's the sign that caused Joseph to rejoice in taking Mary as his wife. It is the sign that we hold fast to so that by faith we are saved. Ahaz was hardened in his rejection of God's love. But in the coming of Jesus and the birth of our Savior, we are assured of it. If there is any ever a shadow of a thought that enters in your mind that says, God must not love me, God must not care for me, this work of God, the sign of Emmanuel, should put that thought away forever. God loves you so that he would take on flesh for you. God loves you so that he would become mortal and die for you. God loves you and gives you the sign of Emmanuel to demonstrate and prove his perfect love for you. God loves you and proclaims this gospel to you now, even today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Ahaz was faithless, but you have been called faithful. 
even today, as we are gathered to receive the gifts of life and salvation from this child who is born of Mary, God demonstrates his love for his children. He gives us peace and pardon as our sins are forgiven by the work of the child of Bethlehem. My friends, rejoice in this gift. Rejoice in celebrating the birth of your Savior. Have faith in the sign of Emmanuel, knowing that God gives you victory over the powers of sin and death and the devil. Rejoice in your freedom from bondage, decay, and death. Rejoice that the sinless Son of God is making you to be like Him as He takes away your sins, as He bears your sin to the cross, as He gives you His holiness and eternal life through the power of His resurrection. Believe in Him. Trust that God loves you as he proves his love by the sign of Emmanuel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this sign and gift of your Emmanuel. Christ has come from heaven to earth to be the redeemer of sinners. Help us, dear Lord, to receive this sign in true and enduring faith. And by this faith, bind us to him so that we dwell eternally in his grace and join him in his eternal resurrection. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds and the true faith, the life everlasting. Live now in Christ's peace. Amen. We rise.